Space Burgers and a happy holidays warg to all of you. I think this one falls right between Hanukkah and Christmas. And whether you celebrate either of those or nothing at all or something else, happy holidays. Hope you're doing well. And it can be a little lonely this time of year. If you're struggling at all, crawl on into the space cave. You got some friends, warm, happy environment, and some stimulating conversation, hopefully, to excite those little neurons in your brain, make you feel a little better. This is part two with Dave Aveline talking about Cold Atom Laboratory. Enjoy. Okay, so we ended part one, and I we were starting to kind of get into, or at least you broached on, um, you know, going up to the space station, you guys having basically errands or little, you know, things you need done. And then I was thinking that's one of the more you hear uh, the people talk about the private companies, SpaceX, mm-hmm. Virgin Galactic, mm-hmm. things like that. Like, wh- when would there be this competition? I suppose if, you know, NASA returned and said, we, we didn't get it done, or you guys forgot this thing, or whatever it might be, would that be something in the future if there were more of these things? Not just you guys, but yeah. more companies with more pressing things. Say, oh, we don't care what right. it costs. Get up there. Get right back up there tomorrow. Could that be where these private companies... Are going, or could, where yeah. the system... So, well, it's interesting you say that. So, the way we got up there just in, ca- in case is with a um private rocket oh, okay so when we were at times it's it is now kind of this system that i don't want to say a bus schedule but they are trying to get these up very regularly spacex takes a lot up um we went up on an orbital atk mm-hmm. uh it was oa9 and this was in late may when it launched now it's actually north of grumman it's oh, N- wow. ng10 just mm-hmm. Uh, was the next one. Um, so these are, they are already heavily involved in terms of bringing these like um, ISS payloads up. And this includes a lot of supplies because the astronauts need to eat and stuff. And also taking a lot of waste back down, which yeah. is interesting. <laughs> um, they're packing it up with all their garbage and other random stuff that, that they don't need anymore. So they don't just launch it out into space. Well, some of it, <laughs> no, because you don't want it necessarily in the same orbit to become space debris. Yeah. But, but they do send these, some of these go down and the idea is it just burns up as it goes down. Mm-hmm. So there are some of the, some of these vehicles do come back down all the way and other ones just burn up in the atmosphere as they go. But um, yeah, I think ISS, it does seem, uh, I'm really no, I'm really no expert on their, um, on their organization or plans, but I have heard about like trying to privatize more things, do more commercial uh, or open up more, facilities there to do like studies that might be for private practices and things not necessarily just like uh general science or something so mm-hmm. i think things are moving kind of in that direction um and then whether yeah then how it then how it gets 
prioritized or goes from there who knows if, if i don't know if what you're getting at is how fast the turnaround can be um just but, yeah i guess but i mean it does involve all of these do involve some sort of lift off and so then there's scheduling that goes usually months in advance to even get stuff back up there we recently just you know just putting it back in context it's organized and this i think it went up on a it doesn't matter what vehicle it went up on um we ended up getting some we're, we're sending up more fibers for example more optical fibers so these are little cords that are a meter or two long and wrapped up and in a baggie and mm-hmm. so but even just to make space to do little little things like this i mean it does take a lot of um a lot of paperwork and planning <laughs> and, and yeah. testing and make sure the thing is, is clean and good to go and all that. So they do fit in, you know, so at we as we discover or need other tools or things up there, or maybe even more cleaning supplies to do, we clean these little uh, fiber tips. Those are, you know, there is room for going the next, but you have to have these longer term plans. You cannot expect it tomorrow. You're going to be expecting mm-hmm. it in a few months, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I guess, what I was getting at where you have old chuck wagons or stage coaches or whatever, you know, throw your stuff on there and then you haul it and getting into then UPS and DHL and not, you know, we're, we're moving stuff, moving cargo yeah. around in these giant shipping containers and trucks and, and then thinking about space and air. Someday when around. we have, you know, if they have different platforms or, you know, on the moon, when we get our moon station and Mars stations and mm-hmm. stuff, yeah, then there'll be these supply sh- runs and so forth. It's always hard to see that far. Like we think that seems too sci-fi, and it, pro- it may be. It might not be that <laughs> practical to be doing these, but that's always kind of what's worth pushing the limits on exploration in general because you don't really know where it's going to go. I mean, right now it doesn't. To me personally, doesn't sound that exciting to go live on Mars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it would be interesting, but not. It's it's Mars. It's yeah. not here. <laughs> this is a very very nice uh, planet that we happen to be on. But oh, but at conditions. some point, if you could, they are talking about these things and what could could be. And maybe this is just a step. You know, you you're almost like testing your technology and kind of proving you can do things. Not because that's the destination ultimately, but just as a stepping stone. So when you guys are doing what you're doing. Not really. I mean, do you have a, a, an exact idea or goal of like, when we know this, that will therefore lead us to knowing this? Or is it more like, we just want to know this and then we can figure out the rest outside? Yeah, of that. sure. Um, you mean in particular for Cal is what you're yeah, kind of getting yeah. at or in Freezing general? And sure. getting these atoms very cold so, and studying. So, what yeah, happens. that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked because part of it, as I was getting at, the idea for Cal was this let's do many, let's try to do many different things and it sort of is a system like let's be a jack of all trades because we need to be able to kind of hit a range of experiments in some sense it's also then these experiments or the idea behind it is to demonstrate a certain we call it a, t- a technology demonstration some of these missions are and now while cal wasn't isn't particularly um coined that way it's not a it's not a technology demo but it is a it but practically speaking it still does this function right so we are now able to prove that with a certain set of equipment and with this sort of technology, you can operate it for prolonged periods of time in in these environmental conditions that aren't what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of always where it's a stepping stone towards the next type of system, or maybe it won't be an ISS-based one. It'll be its own spacecraft or it'll, yeah. So there, it's these are always... Um, a little bit even what I was getting at before, but sometimes you're looking for one particular thing, but then you end up 
seeing some other behaviors and you study systems that you weren't exactly uh, planning on. And sometimes those become the more more intriguing mm-hmm. thing. Um, but yeah, Cal, because of its the nature of it from the get-go, it doesn't have one... Uh, one milestone it wants to meet and then it's done. We did have a set of milestones to kind of get through to consider it kind of a success. Mm-hmm. And then part of it is now let's bring in multi-users and multiple people. Let's get each of their things done. And incrementally, like each one of those we hope gets to their end goals. But there's also five to seven different studies going on. And even within each of those studies or these experiments, people picked um that, that competed to get these certain initial grants, there's like some teams that have half a dozen or more uh, co-investigators. And so they, each of them might have their own little bit of this is the this is the type of physics they want to study with that system. And so balancing all that out over the course of a year to three years is mm-hmm. some are gonna some are gonna have good fortune that the system runs really well for their particular thing and others might not. But then that kind of there's always this turnover, like we need to be working towards the next technology or working towards the next system. So we already have, for instance, uh, a concept and a, and a thing in development to get another science, we call it the science module. The part of the system that has the vacuum chamber and has sort of the, think of all the fixed, all the things fixed relative to the vacuum chamber, like the collimators that deliver the laser beams in, um, the magnetic coils the magnetic shielding so we have shields around it that stop the stray fields it's going around earth every 90 minutes so you get you're zipping around and you're going to experience a different field just from earth never mind Mm -hmm. the internal iss so we have basically another science module that's in development that we plan to then replace the one that's up there because this one has some extra features to do interferometers using kind of the atom the atoms themselves as waves to do interferometry. And that's another like technology type of demonstration that look, we can do these things. And when you go to um, microgravity, you can get this much more out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's supposed to be that springboard for what is, what is next. Not necessarily because this one measurement alone is going to Is it like having some- a, a printer that's also a fax and <laughs> all these other things where <laughs> kind of. you just want to simplify it. Like, let's just focus on this. We don't yeah. Think- and then that's where, but then that's where some of these other more, so certain experiments are, and, or instruments are made to do a very specific task as sensitive as possible or, or as good as, po- you know, whatever it is. And those, those can be kind of, kind of leverage these type of things when you do these first, these firsts. I mean, this is the first permanent platform up there. That's going to be basically every day. And now it's been well over a hundred days of bringing down science and you can change, change your approach the next day and redo it. There's been other, other work where they're dropping it in, like I've described a drop tower or they do these, um, parabolic flights to get kind of conditions of microgravity or rocket launches. Yeah. Those are good for certain demonstrations. And then, but they have the other drawback of maybe it's very focused in time. You only have this few minutes to work with. And so this, this type of system lets you kind of learn from one day to the next and keep, keep building on it for, for some years and then kind of stage yourself up for the next, what is the next instrument? Is Mm -hmm. it going to be a similar, um, project that could do multiple different, you know, things, or do you start focusing on one type of measurement? Um, well, when you're a, an, inve- I love that, that it, the people in, involved are in charge of it be investigators and that is such a broad term being scientists. Like, no, no, no sure. I'm an investigator. <laughs> and at the end of an investigation, <laughs> well, 
you're going to have to come with some, at least your findings. Yeah, yeah. And so the end of this one, when you announce to yeah. the science community at large, or just ideally the population, know what, yeah, what is going to be we, the big... What have we gotten? Yeah, what's going to be the big... Hey, this this tells us something different about the universe, or this tells us we know a little bit more about just atoms in general, or sure. this is going to help us with the unified field theory, or what? Sure. What, what do you think it's so? To, to just to elaborate on that a little, we just use the literally use the term principal investigators as sort of a common um, when you're proposing this is going to be your primary person who's in charge of this mm-hmm. budget and finance and like what you just said delivering that final these are our findings they work in an office alone <laughs> the, <laughs> PI. Class, the, the pi this is the pi um, she came in she looked yeah. like she was yeah. <laughs> and then there's usually a, it's not not always but there's usually collaborations like co, co-investigators involved in the system or uh, in the in the project so with Cal, each one of these, there's uh, five that are five that are kind of um, that are funded for the space studies, if you want to call it that, or the or the microgravity studies. And there's a couple that are actually just the the idea all along was to pick out a couple that are very valuable kind of ground studies, meaning they never they weren't really slotted for any particular um, time on the ISS yet, but they're going to be working towards what I was getting at that next. You know, let's learn more about this type of system, which may have a very strong application in, in these type of things. So in regard to the five that, that do have these ideas, right, you know, presently speaking or, or over the next year or so, um, some involve doing, for instance, I'm, I'm a co-investigator on one of these. And nice. it isn't, it's the idea is to do these, these BEC bubbles. Um, and so uh, Nathan Lundblad, he's from uh, Bates, uh, which is in Maine. Uh, proposed to use these RF fields that we were describing before to make, and I, I kind of, I kind of brought it up a little bit, like a shell mm-hmm. or a bubble. Mm-hmm. So you're going to instead of making the atoms stay inside a solid core kind of thing, um, or maybe these, you can elongate them. Don't think of them as just a sphere. They're usually more like ellipsoids or some sort of um, cigar-shaped thing. Um, we're going to basically p- turn on these other fields that that. S- spread the atoms out into it, like kind of like blowing up a bubble and you can control the thickness of that bubble and whether it's kind of considered more like a two dimensional surface, a very thin layer versus like a thick, uh, uh, I don't know what would be a like a coconut shell or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I was thinking like an, uh, a UFO. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that kind of like, uh, like a, a like a circular football. Yeah, sort of thing. yeah, yeah, exactly. So they can be these, that's exactly right. They're not going to be perfect spheres. And then even in some of these, we're going to have limitations where it's not a perfect bubble either. It might have holes in it. Mm-hmm. But in any case, on the ground, when we try to do these sort of radio frequency dressed traps, um, they form more like a flat surface because the gravity pulls, if you blow up your bubble, the the gravity difference from the top to the bottom is strong enough that basically all the atoms fill just the bottom. So they look like a contact lens or like a bowl. Mm-hmm. And that has a very different topological structure to it in that you've got a 2D, maybe you made a 2D system, but it has boundaries that are more or less, you've got you got your edges all mm-hmm. the way around. And so the idea with this microgravity sort of enabling system is that you can now have a continuous or repeating kind of boundary system that boundary condition that like you form not only a 2d system but rather than it necessarily having edges it it can it's a it's like on earth or whatever right you can go around and around and so you can form you can now study study and use these atoms as sort of um ways to probe the physics or the mathematics that you'd expect to get out of of these different systems that 
to date, I don't believe there's uh, one on the ground that can make that. And then there's other toroids and, like I said, other like contact lens looking systems, but there's not not forming this geometry. Then there's other other studies that want to look specifically at molecules or these unique molecules that are only formed in like trios and then have an interesting characteristic of depending on the density they'll they'll form let's say a molecule of lengths of a certain length scale they're very fluffy not like normal what we're used to in terms of molecules but there are bound it's a it's a ground state for the molecule and and then the <laughs> next you say what we're used to as molecules it's like, oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Course, you know like, not with like our normal like nitrogen you know n2 or something that's it's a fluffy a, molecule yeah, like i used one. to <laughs> Under, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so basically, um, the idea here, though, is that almost like Russian nesting dolls, that you can make these molecules that will then form again at a different length scale and then another larger length scale. Like they, they form a certain pattern of, of making... They, they find themselves in the stable condition at very specific scales as you get larger and larger and fluffier and fluffier, so mm-hmm. to speak. And so up there, this is now an accessible regime because they can not only make them on the ground, we can start to see or have seen evidence of these the first kind of scale, but in the same exact system kind of see the next layers, which means you have to get to these really cold and fluffy, um, what do I would say, very low density um, atomic clouds and space or or I should say microgravity is what is letting us kind of get to that. So that's just a couple examples. Um, but each one kind of has its own goal then that this, these then offer insight into that kind of some of these fundamental physics questions. And then the, the, the third sort of more technology driven thing is this interferometry that, that I was bringing up. And that that is to kind of demonstrate. So the the atoms themselves all kind of behave like waves, especially when they get down to these cold temperatures. And then you can exploit the way they move through space. Um, each atom can be, in a sense, split into two. You know, it's a superposition of two paths in space, and measure the force difference between those two, uh, or the the forces that it would experience between these two different paths. Um, that is something that kind of looks more towards the future of inertial sensing, like how how much acceleration something's getting, how much, or gyroscope, how much rotation it's getting, uh, probing gravity fields themselves. Um, some of the recent missions um, called, I don't know if you've heard of the acronym GRACE um, or GRACE follow-on. Basically, they're using the satellites themselves as the test masses and then how much they, they're in orbit around Earth, for example, and then how much they squeeze together or pull apart based on a mountain structure or the density of the ocean below it. Really? They can measure that slight difference and that Whoa. allows them to, you know, know the temperatures of the of the water or know, you know, hollow parts of the earth and so forth. Really? Yeah. Yeah. This is, Whoa. It. and so studying other planet systems, I mean, they did a similar thing for the moon, but going to other planets with satellites, this is a technology that they're moving towards, but if you can now do that with a single satellite or one satellite that has now the, the atoms as the test masses and, and use this sort of wave nature of the atoms to measure what's going on under the surface, mm-hmm. then you don't have to necessarily land. You don't have to go through the trouble of landing there um, yeah. for, for one example. But those are the things kind of, they all seem a little sci-fi, even to some of us that do work on this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they are, 
they're becoming more and more real. Like when I, when I started there thinking that any of this work is within the 10 or 20 years timescale, I would, yeah, it's like 10, 20 years out, but I would say that again, 10 years later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is probably about, I do research, but it's 20 years out. That's now I'm finally, so that water is 48 (laughs) degrees. Yeah. But now I'm like, Oh, I'm working. It's now up. We made something it's up there. It's working. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you have to have sort of, um, uh, the patience and just to see, okay, this could become something, even though mm-hmm. that might be decades away. Um, some of those get picked and do actually, you know, mm-hmm. come to realization that they they will work for you and get you these new. That's new gotta feel good. Yeah. When no, I, that's been a. <laughs> the other stuff you're looking at, like, you must sometimes walk out of there like, what does this mean? What a, what? This doesn't translate into like, I did it. I invented a laptop or something where you then see it in. Yeah, usage all over the place and go, I had a hand in that. This yeah. is something. Well, that, and that's what's kind of, but that's what's also great about science and technology in general is I think some, you you don't have to be the, uh, you may not be the person who sees the big picture of where it's going to go. And I think many of us don't, I'm including myself, but like, you know, years later or decades or centuries later, the application of the laser or the way we now use all of our satellite. I mean, we take for granted. Well, I do. <laughs> we sometimes take for granted. You just look at your phone and you see your Uber driver coming from whatever. And yeah, oh, it's five more minutes. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, this is absurd technology. Like yeah. this is, and it all built off of, it's not like one thing. Let's do, uh, let's do these LCD screens that I can touch and, that's going to make the difference for everything. I mean, someone, someone did recognize that, but like the merging, it's kind of like technologies that start enabling each other. Mm -hmm. And, um, these, they come out of a lot of stuff does come out of, let's say a JPL or a NASA where it was applied for imaging of a, a rock up on Mars, but, Oh, it turns out doing that with, um, you know, inside the human body for this other thing makes a big difference in identifying, let's say, a certain disease. So it's stuff that we don't really see as the technologist or the person doing it on a, we have our one kind of niche field and we're going to do this one thing. And we kind of, you know, we might see the ends of it and you want to elaborate that in your proposals and things and say, oh yeah, this can help with quantum computers and this can help with medical, you know, you might, and it's true, it could, we don't Mm -hmm. know that yet though, until you kind of get to those, till you demonstrate that next thing. So I think that's what kind of, or at least some, you know, I I hang on to the idea that I don't know yet what it, some of these things we don't know yet, which is going to be the most useful path for it uh, or how it is going to affect everyday life. Cause some in the quantum, we usually don't see the quantum world directly impacting our, (laughs) our everyday life. That's kind of the stuff for the, you know, but what if you redefined how we understand physics or the universe sure. it's, so, or, or like time travel or something to that effect we like we figured out dark yeah, yeah. matter right no that that is a that is a good point because some of the areas that are some of the areas that are starting to be or have been looked at more specifically by theorists and and even some experimentalists is as like detecting gravity waves uh looking for dark energy or dark matter some of these things too, like in physics, what we're trying to do is is make make the simplest story mm-hmm. or, or set of relationship between things that that makes sense that will apply to the next time we go to make that measurement. Right? We want to believe that if we figure out this pattern, then I know what to expect the next time I go measure this thing or or design that next device. And so there's a few areas that aren't a hundred percent melding together. We have good. Um, 
like quantum physics is an example of it really does apply and make a lot of sense down at these small scales and small sometimes small time scales and um, uh, physical um, momentum and space kind of scales but then when it comes to like large objects and and uh, you know astronomy and um you know the movement of planets and yeah. all these you got gravity in there and we don't have a, a really good fit between you know uniting all these things so we are kind of constantly looking for what's that next simplest explanation for how how these things fit together and um in particular one of the things that uh atom interferometry type measurement like the things that cal is like looking to do is is to kind of probe further into for instance einstein's equivalent principle like yeah when they have a couple when you have two different masses do they really f- f- uh fall at the same rate so to speak to put it in the simplest terms or do mm-hmm. they feel exce- um gravity the same way and uh we don't necessarily set out to disprove that like when we're trying to do a measurement and now it might be to a whole another orders of magnitude sensitivity it's not to like oh i I don't believe this so i want to show that it breaks it breaks this at some point although that is pretty uh that would be exciting (laughs) you know that's like that's what people want to spin or look for because in some ways it's controversial and will this be but the other side is really just to we kind of incrementally move towards better and better knowledge of what's around us so it may end up eliminating certain other so other theories that have come up that could unify some of these things you may you may enter into a new space or whatever your measurement is doing that kind of oh nope that that one no longer applies it must be a little more complicated like yeah that next simplest answer isn't really the answer it must be yeah the next thing let's move on <laughs> and then you kind of just build off of that and mm-hmm. so that's what we I, that's what we do and in a, a grand scheme it, uh, someone else will find that next thing kind of so to speak you're just doing your the shoulders <laughs> of giants do, so yeah shoulder of giants and just hopefully you'd be great if it's your thing that's gonna <laughs> gonna get that next step but yeah how'd you get into this where did you study physics like, i did you? um i did applied engineering physics at cornell mm-hmm. and um coming out of high school i wanted to do something with optics and uh, that was a nice general field for the merger between some engineer it's an engineering degree but it was doing physics and lasers and stuff like that so um yeah that's how i went into it as a 18 year old without a i mean that maybe that sounds pretty well defined for an 18 year old but (laughs) i didn't really know what i wanted to do until i was 20 ish when I, I got to do an internship at uh jpl it's called the co-op program so i came out for a few months it was a great excuse to drive across the country. So that was the first time I came west. Just on your own? I came with a friend. We, oh, okay. we drove across and it was just, you know, 10 days of awesome. It was it was fun. It was a yeah. road trip. And I, it was so fun. I did it two other times after that, <laughs> doing the westward trip. But yeah, then I found myself working in in one of these labs with, we. Be, you got to think of almost like a, uh, Legos for adults. You're mm-hmm. kind of building up with, on a big table, there's a lot of, one inch met or whatever spaced um uh places to bolt your parts down and build whatever contraption you want usually it's defined <laughs> we were trying to get to a certain thing but yeah then i between the california sun and and uh a great sort of uh playing with toys all day expensive <laughs> toys but mm-hmm. it, it really fit it fit in well so then i came out here permanently after finishing undergrad mm-hmm. and um later after getting hired at JPL, though, pursued the, a PhD. So I did did my PhD at USC in physics. Sweet. So, 
I spoke about it earlier. I've always been kind of into the nature and, and understanding how things work, but usually I'm almost drawn more to the uh, lively side. So how certain uh, butterflies and mm-hmm. bees and uh, lizards and things <laughs> running around. But I think at some point it's knowing that the way that behavior is all stemming from, or at least, you know, stems from such simple basics as the atoms and the electrons that are making all that up. And you can get this very complicated behavior and phenomenon out of that is just, it's just, it's just wonderful to think about how that can all come out of these really simple building blocks. And that's why studying kind of the, at the atomic level, I know it's not going to answer, it's not going to give you that equation to get to why a, a, a butterfly flutters its wings a certain way, but it, it all kind of ripples out from there. So that's where I, I really got into kind of understanding the basics of some, how things work. You're uh, here on behalf of yourself, your views, you express are <laughs> yeah, solely yeah. your own. But when you talk about these sorts of things and that you are, you're legitimately working with the fundamental building block, as far as we know, of all of life. And when you're tracking it down to that level, when you're pinning it down, you're phrasing it, you're stopping it and mm-hmm. going, I gotcha, there you are. You're one of them. You're one of these little, mm-hmm. one of many trillions. Does it? Do you have thoughts or questions or like, are you finding the blueprints? Do you have any conversations with your colleagues about God-esque kind of things, creator-esque kind of things, engineer, whatever you would, the, the architect, something to that effect? Got it. Most of, I find most of, we don't tend to talk about religion that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of us kind of come from, well, everyone has various backgrounds and maybe maybe carries elements of religious practice or something with us. But um, it's usually, I, I think kind of, at least let me speak from my own point of view. I find it so kind of um, um, intriguing and kind of like, I don't think of there being some personal thing that is creating it or or messing with pulling the strings, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But um, I do find that the mystery under there that helps explain what, how one thing behaves relative to another or the, you know, the the patterns forming. I mean, there is something very um, surreal about what, what even makes those laws, the laws that they are and why, why, why are those constant even, you know, what, yeah. what is it that says, sure, that'll be the same tomorrow. Um, yeah. And so that stuff I do find, I definitely have thought plenty about um, what does that mean in terms of other more spiritual parts of, you know, human life. But I think we tend to, maybe it's just a certain personality type of the engineers or, or physicists or people that, that I work with, but that it doesn't, we tend to not necessarily go into the, uh, spiritual or religious side. Maybe it's uh, even at any given job, we don't want to necessarily bring up, you know, religion and politics. Yeah. Well, I was, I was <laughs> eating with a friend of mine recently and I feel like I do this. He's like, ah, oh, most of the time I just eat veggie. Like I'm a vegetarian, but if I want to, I just have whatever I want. Right. And he was like, I think people are just a little too rigid when they make a decision that now I'm this. Sure. So, oh, I re- oh, dang it. I blew it. I wasn't fully vegan today or I wasn't mm. a pescatarian all week. And I think th- there are Maybe some similarities some... potentially with because re- religion it sounds so dumb but like that you can't really have thoughts or talks about what made this without being like ooh that's that's getting it's going to infringe on my religious beliefs right but I I think the ability to d- jump in and out of it like ah I, I want to think about it that doesn't sure. mean that's necessarily my faith yeah but 
should be allowed to discuss it and openly kind of, hey, what do you think about this? But I get it. Like in a, in a work environment that might, someone might go, hey, hey, come on. We're usually, we're usually so busy. There's not too much like uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> pondering and, and talking about it. But you know, <laughs> there's, there's the happy hour or something else you might go to. But mm-hmm. still, it seems like, that's one of those that doesn't come up. Politics comes up more than religion. That oh, is. I bet, yeah. These <laughs> days, yeah, especially. So now you get all this um, atomic data and you present it to the world. And how's that going to feel when a certain percentage of the world goes, nah, that's fake. I don't believe you. <laughs> is that just crushing? No. Um, I think I've already accepted the fact that there's some, you're not going to reach everyone mm-hmm. um, with any particular study. Um, so... Nah, I think it's more of a, um, the people that, you know, and also the people who care the most are the people that are also in your field and are doing, you know, maybe even your competitors or they're doing the same types of, of work. Right. And then yeah. the, that the layman, I hope so. I hope many people find things interesting, but they don't want to necessarily dig into the detail. So I don't expect them to, there's not a, a sort of an expectation or a letdown from, Oh, it's not earth shatter you know no, not yeah. everybody's so crazed about it but it is there are there's going to always be some percentage of population that like even even just meeting people in everyday life where we start talking about oh what do you do and then there's going to be certain personalities that like to probe that and oh tell me more about this and then others that almost shy away from it and i don't know if it's because they're not really interested or they don't want to they think it's going to be beyond them and yeah i like to invite as much question or not, I try to judge how much to really dump dive into because <laughs> you don't want to bore someone to death, but you also don't want to assume. Like you, I want. I'm happy to explain. Isn't or that weird though that some people have no problem telling you all about what their family does for the holidays and how they drive there <laughs> and where everyone's right. staying. And you're like, I don't care about any of this, but I'm listening because you, you seem really right. Into right. It. Right. That's fine. But if you started just going on about rubidium yeah yeah very few people i think would be like oh cool man (laughs) i think a lot of people even if they wanted to know it just it seems like this you have to have like a sit down face to face all right lay it on me yeah yeah. wait let me absorb get some more yeah i think i i i have found that more than i thought are are very intrigued and want to ask questions though so that Mm -hmm. that part of it is kind of cool and but then then i think the next layer of that that was determining how much do they really how much do you want to know? Because I'm happy to go into the physics of, you know, the photons hitting the atom. I'm I don't mind trying to get into that. Not that I even know everything, but just talking about it helps. Yeah, kind of even self learn of how to explain this a little better, or sometimes triggers a thought about how we're doing our own study and maybe I should try this method or something. But some people I can't tell how much their eyes are glossing over from being a little bit. Too, getting hearing too much or is it actually just like yeah 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 keep going but yeah well getting into that i have a few questions sure, now please. one uh i was thinking about this the other day and this i think it was inspired by reading about cal and that the the sort of um therm- thermodynamics of, of heat distribution where these stars are really hot but then say these these spaces equidistant like in the middle right between some stars empty black nothingness space what would the temperature there be hmm that's that is a good question so and and i'm not going to have the best answer for that but basically in any area of space or at least the more traditional sense of how we'll define temperature temperature is like the um the 
residual or this kinetic energy that the uh, let's say atoms or any particle or or um, uh, that this group of them have while in that location of space and so there are a lot of um comparisons for instance like cal some sometimes it'll kind of compare to like the you know in the distance with the of space we see that it has at least this energy in the background and then you can start associating this amount of energy there are ways with your equations to just sort of like attribute it to an effective temperature all right so i was kind of getting with that a little bit earlier with even when we're making these condensates and then letting them expand or doing some tricks on them that make them colder uh, I'm sorry, no one can see my air quotes. <laughs> they are, we're basically bringing down the momentum. We're making them much slower in their expansion. And that is normally associated with temperature, that they aren't going to be moving away from each other uh, as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, when I think of like an empty space, if you had truly empty space and there's no energy in there and therefore no particles in there, that is in a sense, an absolute zero, that's a vacuum, a true, like a pure, if you had a pure vacuum. When you're in between a couple stars and there's obviously, there's electromagnetic radiation in, the, in passing through this volume and uh, maybe, you, maybe there's some little particles here and there. One would have to kind of, um, you could come down to measuring sort of an effective temperature based on the amount of energy within this sort of volume, mm-hmm. if that's what, but that's where I, coming from an atomic physics background go well okay you can associate temperatures with certain energy densities and things but that's not te- you know that's not temperature and other people from different fields will have much more so it's not have like, certain opinions about nope that is the equivalent of micro cal- you know yeah. something like that so i i'm oh, so gonna a, shy away from the answer of saying it's a definitive um it's it's harder to it's kind of ambiguous because it's an absence of everything yeah there. and then well if the there are fo- let's say there are photons passing through there, so photons are just these little particles of electromagnetic radiation, right? But these, these like be, light uh, particles. Light, yeah, light. I would see. Or, or, are there photons that I couldn't see? Yeah, of course. So there's okay. visible spectrum, um, and that is going to look like your reds to ultra, you know, almost the UV, so violets. Mm-hmm. And then there's the near infrared on the. So you go lower in wavelengths with the electromagnetic fields, and you're going to get into your near. Inf- you're going to get into your near infrared and and infrared and further out and those are going to become less and less visible to your own uh, rods and cones and so every human is also a little different with how deep into the red they can see and then on the blue side you're going to have the uvs and eventually x-rays and gamma and so forth so this these are combos of an electric field and a magnetic field that are that are oscillating and self-propagating through space at speed of light mm-hmm. um, and depends on what kind of medium they're passing through they can be a little faster and slower but that's um, and so given that they are in the middle of some stars there is some amount of EM radiation passing through that region but trying to then because those are also non-interacting so photons we don't think of as an interacting gas and therefore it's hard to imagine associate or particles we're not really associating that with like a a boltzmann distribution and therefore the true kind of more more traditional sense of a temperature but you could give them this effective energy they have and that's going to depend on how how what that wavelength i just described so when you're on the red side of the spectrum versus the blue and how much energy each particular photon is carrying it's Mm -hmm. about how fast it's 
gyrating up and down with that electric field. And then also the density, the number of those photons within that volume. And that all kind of, you can then weave your hands around or do some math equations and you can come up with some effective temperatures. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that is, so it's not like the stars are all just in a big ice box. They're not, they're not being cooled down by this. They're, they're just being, I mean, that's, a, that's also an interesting way to think about it. Um, even this is why what I'm saying, like, it's fun. It's fun to talk because sometimes it gives you some different ideas in a sense. All these things that are scattered around in space and are, um, emitting photon, you know, light is pouring out of it. That's why maybe you see that particular star. Mm-hmm. If it's not, um, if it's not a black hole and, um, <laughs> you, that you could think of it as that's energy radiating away and leaving. And, and it, you go out to infinite time, you know, way out there in time. And, and yes, in a sense, you could almost think of that as a cooling off. So it's basically losing its energy to its surrounding vacuum of space. If um, the photon is an express, because it does seem like the steam we talked about out of a coffee cup that the photons are like, yeah, if you think about it, it's carrying energy away mm-hmm. from the thing, it's leaving behind a system that has less energy and therefore cooler in temperature. Yeah. Um, now we're talking about many, many, orders of magnitude of Kelvin on the other end. So a lot of zeros to the left of the decimal place instead of to, to the yeah. right, instead of micro and nano <laughs> so and they're Kelvin. slowly burning out, but it's taking billions. And billions yeah. Of yeah. Years. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. It's, and that's how, how fast is the universe moving away from itself or moving away from us? Not that we're centric to it, but right. I always, it just seems like in our lifetimes, we should see everything getting further away to the point where like, I remember when there were stars. <laughs> well, what's also, I mean, what's kind of, cool there is you're seeing stars that were billions of years old Mm -hmm. when we're looking up and seeing all these little dots of light in the sky too we're not seeing present day we're seeing in that sense we're looking back in time and the and Mm -hmm. the light that's hitting our eyeballs is actually from that's another a long 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 time ago so then how do we know which ones are Are still there they're still there so then yeah so smarter people than me and their fields can can actually look at (laughs) um what type of colors coming off those stars and what how much of it they're getting and they can do a bunch of predictions or i should say calculations because it's not it's what it was doing and what it will become and then that's where they can classify and they can say this is going to become a white dwarf or become you know all these different types of systems and and that similarly is how they're looking at like expansion or or how these other galaxies and things are all moving relative to each other but it is sort of uh there are models and certain very reasonable calculations they can do to help understand those larger systems even if they're light many billions of light years away i think the the thing with the stars i was thinking i just thought of an analogy that i think defines how i think of it which why which is why i have a difficult time it, Understanding, If someone were in the back of a pickup truck driving away from me and they were shooting a machine gun at me Mm -hmm. and the bullets were photons, essentially, at some point they'd get so far away from me that the bullets would cease to hit me. They would just – that seems like what the stars are doing. That At some point, even though the photons are on their way, it would be moving so fast away from us that they would cease to get here. Okay, yes. If the – so that's like relativistic. If they start traveling – fast or fast compared to the speed of light there is a point where the photon that's trying to escape or come towards us isn't gonna outpace that yeah um at some point what happens sort of well for most part 
because they aren't necessarily at the speed of light, most of these systems, it, what it means though is they do get Doppler shifted. So you're going to see, um, I don't know if you, how familiar you are with Doppler, but the idea that even like when a uh, yeah when a car is driving and honking its horn, you're, or even just it's the S out of <laughs> that its was engine. That's pretty good. All right, <laughs> so that's happening with light as well and so a lot of times even these systems if they're moving far moving away from us fast or towards us fast you're going to see these sort of shifts in the in the color that you're picking up with your detectors on earth mm-hmm. that's what i call my eyes yeah my detectors well, well i meant even more specifically they <laughs> do have the special devices to look exactly at the wavelength you know otherwise yeah. i'm saying yeah it's, it looks white or <laughs> it looks reddish you know. um so that in that sense if it was on the back of a pickup truck, I was wasn't sure where you're going with that. If I if, if someone was shooting a machine gun off the back of a pickup truck with bu- real bullets or even really fast bullets, of course there is a distance at which they get away. Where uh, assuming they're on on Earth with some gravity, they those <laughs> things are going to hit the ground before they get yeah. to you, right? Because they're going to have some downward pull, even though they have a lot of uh, transverse um, velocity. Yeah. So. Uh, but if it was a laser gun or something firing off the back of that pickup truck as it drives fast away from you, if you had your laser goggles on so you're safe um, <laughs> and we're looking at that beam, yes, there would be the same kind of Doppler shift. So it would get redder and redder or at some point maybe be invisible because it'd be like infrared or you know yeah. something not, not that you were going to pick up. Uh-huh. Um, but it's not going to... F- false so much because it's moving at speed of light where mm-hmm. i mean that but that being said light does feel it does bend due to gravity so that's what's sort of then a, at sort of at astronomical levels the idea that like you can look out into the into the um into space and see that like there's lensing effects of certain whether it's black holes or other systems and you're getting you're getting light that came from a star behind that, and it's actually traveling not towards Earth at first, but because of the uh, presence of another large, massive it body, bends it, it bends it back towards you, and you can get sort of interesting patterns like that too. So, yeah, I don't. It, this it's amazing to think that um, that even these electromagnetic waves, so to speak, that, that zip around at the speed of light can actually feel this other force and and move around that way. And it's the idea that this the presence of that mass has curved space time it's like it's it's not really necessary you know, one way to look at it is there's a force on it and the other way to look at it is the space that it's traveling through is now curved mm-hmm. and that's why so these are areas that you'd like to start unifying better what is gravity you know how does gravity fit into the bigger picture of things because we obviously s- we obviously feel it yeah, <laughs> and um, see a lot of effects of it. But how does that fit with, you know, quantum physics, for example, and things like mm-hmm. that. And with um, your research, are you getting anything conclusive where you can say like, it's definitely not impactful at all here. Cause that's kind of the conventional thinking is that that's where it breaks down that. Right. That that's where this separation it's, this is very possible to be the type of technology and that could get us these types of answers, but it's not, we haven't to date, you know, in these in these hundred some odd days, or even in like next week or something, about to turn the corner to go. Oh yeah, that's this or that. Yeah. Um, uh, but it is exciting to think that like I was kind of getting at this next um, installment that we're planning on this other science module that we're building. 
is going to have the the next kind this next level of interferometer the atom interferometer that could maybe start answering more of those questions mm -hmm. um and then pave the way for other technology development that really could if you wanted to make a very specific apparatus that is everything is for that purpose can make like a very sensitive measurement cool get us to kind of the next next level because when we get <clears throat> gravitational waves or you know get toward things that people go like this is the residue of the big bang do you I mean, going back to like tracking the footsteps or if something put mm -hmm. this in play put it in motion do you you probably have more ability than virtually every other citizen to at least have a fundamental understanding of what it what it looked like when what in the hell was going on and there was nothing there and then all of a sudden these two points hit and there's just unlimited energy how do you wrap your mind around that and then oh i don't you know <laughs> no no i wish i wish i could no i'm not uh, there are certainly um there's certainly things that like maybe come a little uh, just barely and we're talking like like you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between what you're thinking about that you're it's it, those are some of the mind-numbing uh <laughs> concepts that are hard to any for any human to wrap their mind around oh, you can really? visualize and you can kind of sense sort of orders of magnitude like in some ways maybe someone who studies this stuff can like n almost be more aware of how little they know <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense like you you almost know how many orders of magnitude or and that's not even the right way to say it but the how far off some of our um conceptualizing is or how how not realistic um or like wait if i want to think about size scales for example you know i probably have maybe a little more a slightly more appreciation or <laughs> is that a yawn he's had it <laughs> okay he's like what are you still talking physics here what the heck um you know the the scales as we were getting at before with nanometers and and, fem, and nan, uh, pico and femto but like you know a, a millimeter versus a micron versus a nanometer scale yeah. like they start to really because you're dropping by uh, one thousandth so millimeter one thousandth of a meter micro one thousandth of that thing yeah nano one thousandth of that thing um when you're entering that nanometer scale that's now this kind of atomic world i mean that's we talk about atoms being like an angstrom that's a tenth of a nanometer and like somewhere in between that micron you know level or something because i'm working with w wavelengths of light and atoms and and structures that we're trying to make that size, you know, 10 microns and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I probably have a little more insight or intuition on how, what that is. Cause I've worked with it. Whereas, Oh, something below a millimeter. I don't even, or, or I don't know. I hope most people know what a millimeter is, but, <laughs> yeah. but something below a millimeter. Oh, that's microscopic. It's mm -hmm. just out, out of reach. Right. Yeah. But, um, but then when thinking about the other side of the spectrum too, with scales that are like, whether that's, billions of years ago and so like massive energy amounts uh, it's <laughs> that's the stuff that's just like unfathomable that i mean it puts you try to put yourself in perspective of how short amount of time we've been around yeah and short small amount of volume of space that we've explored you know sort of speak like we're it is literally um infinitesimally small compared to <laughs> <laughs> to what is out there uh, or and when was out there that makes any sense yeah what and when you, it's it's in a weird way kind of refreshing 
to hear a physicist be like, I'm virtually as confused as everybody else. Maybe a little bit more <laughs> yeah, understanding yeah. of why I'm confused, but yeah, yeah. That, well, and that's again, that's me. But I'd say you might, I might end up like, oh well, I'm trust me, I'm more confused than, than you are <laughs> because I maybe know a li- just the slightest more of what I don't know. That's cool though. <laughs> it's still cool that it's. I always think that people that are in these sort of fields, especially when you start having PhDs in physics and things like that, that very, to me, very few people have done that. And yet you'd be like, oh, I go to conferences there every year. Um, There's a bunch hundreds of, of people yeah, graduate yeah. from just this one institution, let's say. True. And you go, okay, so there are a lot of them out there, but I always feel like they get into it because there's this tracking down. Like I'm, I'm following, I, I'm learning what this is, and I'm I'm on the hunt. I am a detective mm-hmm. as to what all this is, how it was started, who's yeah. in charge of it. Yeah. But I think more so, it's just you just like it. You just like the stuff. You you like it, and you you do kind of like the hunt. Mm-hmm. So it's not. So it is there. Yeah, it's not. Maybe that's where you get. It's not even this. I mean, it is the finding too, and you want to understand or you want to put it to put the pieces together, right? And that's that or. Again, these are always like, from my point of view, I enjoy that kind of uh, investigation of stuff, and mm-hmm. including when sometimes some things go wrong, right? We have, we build plenty of systems and then something in there isn't working the way we expected and you have to really kind of roll your sleeves up and dive into what could this have, come, what is this anomaly from? You yeah. know, what, what went wrong here? What could be the players of this? And it can it kind of take you in different directions and that's a little sometimes much more practical and not so physics-y it's it's like okay well this this fuse blew out i mean yeah. some, i mean it might not be always the most um uh grand answer <laughs> but but even just that kind of problem solving or troubleshooting is what at least for me uh i find kind of um gets me through the day or you know mm-hmm. makes makes the days go by fast in other words yeah, yeah. but you're not because dis- there was the that Feynman quote of uh I just like the pursuit, you know, if, mm-hmm. if I just keep peeling this onion and there's no answer. Yeah. But that never gets to you. The, the, no, no. For at least for me, I, yeah, I also don't expect that. It would almost be frightening. I don't want to get to the <laughs> answer. If you get to the answer, then what are you going to do after yeah. that? Right. I like to think that some people <laughs> know it and they just realize it doesn't do anyone any good. So then they just don't, they just don't, go about living a life. Yeah. yeah. That really, could be too. That would be, <laughs> And bless your heart if you're out there doing that. <laughs> Keep it because you must want to every now and again tell somebody. Okay, this is a question I, uh, I haven't done in a while, but I like to pose specifically to uh, science, uh, physics type people. Okay, uh, you're huge, and you're the universe. Is... I know I, I need to work off the Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> but it's not a. It's not. That's what that I mean. noticeable. I'm I hope talking okay. about your okay. mass. On okay. Earth. No, you're in in regard to the universe itself. You're enormous, and it's in your hands. It's your hands are about, you know, a foot apart. What does it look like? What is this thing? Describe what you're holding. Okay, so I, I for a while I thought you were telling me I am huge. I get it. Hypothetically, yeah. I'm a mon- I'm a I'm a monster that is so big that the universe fits in my hands, so to speak. Is yeah, that what we're getting at. Yep. So what am I looking at when I look into it almost? Or what yeah. is it that's in there? I come over What's, and I go, what are you holding there? And you go, eh, it's hard to describe. Right. And then you, this is how you would so, describe it to me. I, I, well, no, I love that question. Okay, so my first thought when I envision that is um, looking into something that is pretty much empty, right? So I'm holding my hands out and there is a lot of space mm-hmm. in between my hands. And 
maybe I can peer into there and I end up seeing the tiny uh, sources of light, like point sources of light and stuff that are in there. So maybe it looks pretty cool from a, um, yeah, almost like a trippy point of view of just <laughs> sparkles. Okay, but I don't, um, but there is a lot of empty space between everything, right? Including even down at an atomic level. Mm-hmm. We've got a nucleus, but then you've got an electron or set of electrons buzzing around the nucleus, but there's vast space between the nucleus and the electrons. And yet, so the amount of volume that atom fills up is lar- huge compared to really the amount of matter or, um, yeah, the yeah. amount of density being filled up. Now, it's filled up with energy and there's fields in there and so forth. But same with uh, this big picture of looking at maybe a universe in the palms of your hands. It's like mostly empty space. And that's that part is sort of... But there's a lot of energy in there. <laughs> there's a lot of energy um, in certain points in that, but it is this, uh, yeah, well, that's, anyway, that's what comes to my mind. Very similar to the, another physicist. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. And, okay. and I, li- I like that. And it, it, for me, that was like a very, um, I don't want to say eye-opening or revelatory, but just a, I'd love a different perspective to think about it like mm-hmm. that. It really is mostly just kind of empty space. And yet uh, the world that we know is so hard. It's concrete. Everything is very... It feels like it's hard, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you can touch things and your hand stops moving through it. But but there's really a lot of... There's not that much difference or in terms of density between like your finger and like the air around you, the soup of nitrogen and oxygen and stuff buzzing around you. You feel the pressure. Yeah. We take it... We just kind of know this is what the pressure feels like around us. But those are... Those are atoms banging into our into our own atoms or electrons, yeah. and at at a few hundred meters per second. And what if there were some sort of alien thing, and alien in that not even maybe of this universe, and that you know in the Matrix when they just see the binary, mm-hmm. but they can go oh, look at that. But that see that they would just see atoms. They just see a or pile they just of see like electrons or something, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. the zipping around of all the little right. tiny particles around. Yeah, it'd no, be really because we're bound by the things you've talked about, our right. color spectrum that right, we can right. see and the way we perceive atoms. All That's our own, you know, neurons and and rods and cones converting mm-hmm. what would be its energy hitting us in the eyeball, but we're then <laughs> converting it to a certain. It's been kind of filtered out and then tells our brain it's oh yeah that that looks like a a pale blue yeah and like <laughs> what is blue I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's Dave. He looks a little, he's huge now. He <laughs> yeah, man, I like well, that, that idea. One. Yeah, cool. Say there is a, I'll, I'll let you get going here, but I, uh, I just, the universe, you know, the, the thing that you're potentially holding, I like to think that there's a membrane at the end or something that it's bound by, that it's this balloon blowing up, but it's likely not. And then, so you were just kind of touching on the idea that these atoms that are here cease to, there's a surface, there's an edge. So yeah. they've grouped together and they've said, we're done here, but right on the outside edge of it, it's kind of like that thing when you, if you always walk toward a wall and you go halfway, mm-hmm. yep. at some point you're approaching Understood. on. So if you're, if it's not a balloon blowing up, what do you think it would be like on the edge of there? There's space, there's right. nothing, but then there must have to be something just on the other side of that non-membranous barrier. What, right. what do you think would be there? White space? A lot of people say that. Or think that, I guess, in animation where often right. people, the absence of anything. I mean, even 
So on the edge of this table that we're both looking at, you've got a boundary that seems like a pretty hard boundary with, the, like you said, the atoms are kind of in a certain solid structure, and mm-hmm. but the electrons that each that buzz around each atom are going to be some approximate distance away from each atom, but they're they're moving around very fast, and they there is this blurriness to everything, including this table or including an atom that. It, and it has an effective wavelength. It's not. It's it's that everything kind of has a wave function, or its its location is is approximately here, but it has a probability of being. Um, and I'm moving my hands around to try to describe some you know wave function like a Gaussian or bell curve or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so similarly, I think of any sort of edge of thing as it has to kind of have a. It'll have a blurriness that even on the edge of the universe so to speak if there happens to be there are fo- i have to imagine it has to be ele- uh, electromagnetic radiation on the edge that's just zipping out into empty truly empty space if that's possible and but each one of those has sort of its own wave function that would mean that it's approximately there but it has a probability of being a little bit further (laughs) and it has a probability of being a little bit closer Mm -hmm. and or to the left and to the right and so forth and so yeah it's just a blurry there i do think that there just has i actually just don't think about it there's (laughs) there there's a blurriness of that edge that is not a a a solid membrane so to speak but just a it feels like it seems to me like it comes down more to mathematics of this sort of field there's a field propagating out and that field has some almost infinite extent that even though the probability becomes 0.0000000 in its infinite one way out yeah. there it's still out there right. and it is infinitely out there and so there's almost n- no boundary in that in that regard if that yeah that, that there really could be all of a sudden, yep, there's a photon, and it's so far out that you couldn't... But does, does that in some way contradict the notion of a start, then? That a, a Big Bang type of point of origin? Maybe, because it contradicts it, but maybe there is... That was a start. A start. Mm. And so from, from that point of view, the most localized, if you want to think of it as time localized... In the most recent start <laughs> and the or and within our realm of of space that makes sense that there may have been a, a punctual or this like big bang or a, a singular start but who's to say there wasn't something before that or so much further away orders of magnitude that there's a different starting point and these worlds may collide so to speak or universes sort of um are drifting near each other or to, towards each other so yeah, I don't know. Those are those are the much bigger questions that <laughs> <laughs> I want these answers, damn it. <laughs> if you okay, final one. I just sure. thought of this. because uh, it it's tangential to that sure. that there okay. may be multiple or that it what we're maybe we're too rigid in our thinking that it was just this one presco it explodes or for lack of and, a better and term. And for I guess what I was getting at is that I I guess I follow all that, but then there's nothing to... I haven't s- personally read up or seen anything that doesn't tell me why would that why not that happening in another completely distant location mm-hmm. again, somewhere fur- even further away. Maybe we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. But go okay. ahead. Keep going. I like... Okay. So this one's a little bit more, I guess, cliche, not to be so hard on myself for this <laughs> question, but you meet a creator. Uh, maybe it's 
within life and a weird thing where time ceases to exist and you just get a brief moment of oh but mm-hmm. then you'll forget it you you'll be this will be bad for you to carry around but say it happens or it could be an afterlife thing okay the person that created it would you be more interested in asking them why they made it or how hmm. yeah that is that is a pretty good one i think i would be if i had to ask one damn that's a, that is a tough one i guess i would have to ask the how I think I'm more of a how. That's so of, fascinating. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because why Why not? <laughs> I feel like I kind of know that one already. And then the how is more, ooh, that was that. See, I think you have the, the tool belt to know. It'd be like a carpenter going, oh, I, I thought that's what you might have done. Whereas me, I don't have any of the tools, so I would just go, oh, okay. But the why would be, I think, a little bit more... I think I could follow along. Maybe I could understand. Maybe that's the differentiation. It's huh. a little bit more like emotional versus. Yeah, that could. The, and and then maybe the why is also tied to uh, what is the not destiny then, or what is the purpose? You know, why for what purpose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's happening. So I roll yeah. with that, and then <laughs> want to know how. <laughs> <laughs> it's already happening. The how is better because it leaves out any messy. Like I don't want to walk away feeling something. Right, right. I don't want to like. Oh, it was just because I'm bored. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> yeah. Which is what I actually expect the answer to be. You do? Yeah. I think maybe. <laughs> what if the what if the person or thing was forced? And then it's all kind of sad. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. No wonder you didn't put a lot of love and care into certain parts of it. There were really some but then, failings. But then why was he forced? Yeah. Who <laughs> Who's forced a homework assignment? Yeah, this is the, that, the why becomes an endless. Uh, yeah, that's true. rough. Yeah, but the how. It, it, the homework assignment is a decent analogy there where they'd go, <laughs> I had to turn something in. Yeah, yeah. But the how, yeah, yeah, but then how'd you do it? It was due, okay? And so I slapped that together and, and this is what you got. Yeah, I really rushed it. But anyway, hope you enjoy puppies. I managed to get those <laughs> yeah, yeah. in there. Like, hey, yeah, thanks. you're right. You did a nice job there. Well, Dave, this has been great. Thanks a lot, yeah, man. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks Come a lot for here. having me. This was good. And uh, thanks for the. Thanks for the wheat beer. This sure. is very good. Yeah, man. Glad you liked it. Angel City Citrus Wheat. All right. Well, see see you next time. Hopefully you'll come yeah, back. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank cool. you. And Take hi care. To, hi to Rachel. I will. Smart guy that Dave. He and Rachel. I mentioned it on the in the in the conversation, but I would love to be in their household and hear what they talk about. It sounds fascinating. And Thanks to those of you who support the show on Patreon. If you'd like to hear uh, bonus episodes, uh, behind-the-scenes things, there's usually one thing per month for only $2, less than a cup of coffee per month. You can get access to that sort of stuff. And uh, if you have suggestions or comments or beer or music or anything like that that you'd like on the show, you can contact pings at Space Cave or space underscore cave on Twitter or me on Twitter, Huntsberger Junk. And I'll do my best to make that happen. Thanks to Dan, as always, for compiling this show. Have the goodness of his heart down under in Australia. And thanks to Rob for the theme song. I hope you like it as well. Thanks for listening to the show. It's fun to make. Glad you support it. It's made possible by contributions from listeners just like you. So hopefully there won't be any ads. Uh, that's it. Enjoy your holidays. Have a good rest of 2018. I think there's one more before the very end of the year, so talk to you then. Here's a song called Drowning by Suburban Living. We'll just stop by the space cave.